Now, now keep your ear pressed to the... It's the real hip-hop. Boot up, man. This is real hip-hop right here. Listen now. Fuck all that mumble rap bullshit, son. Unchained. You know what I mean? Unchained, you know my name. No doubt. <laughs> Boot up. Tonight on Late Night Pacific Northwest, we'll be talking with cryptographer James Simpson. James is a business owner. He is a... What else are you, James? I do work as a designer and a work bike manufacturer. I manufacture work bikes. So tonight, we were going to initially talk about the Zodiac letters. Am Mm -hmm. I correct? Okay. Yep. Do you want to start delving into that? Because that's we already talked about it, and and this is going to be live. So when people hear it, they don't know we've already, you've already pretty much educated me on it. I mean, there's a ton of stuff to go through. It, I mean, it it seems like it's so deep. You you could write a book on it, maybe three or four books, probably a whole man. Yeah, the the single set of ciphers that were uh, in that. I mean, there's there's more than a dozen ciphers. There's more than um, a dozen correspondences that the the serial killer mailed into the, the newspapers over a period of decades. It actually it actually carried through for quite some time. They they tried to excuse themselves in their investigation by kind of segregating, you know, four or five in the main main letters and then they tried to kind of disavow every other one that came after that time and a few that were before it or a couple that, you know, seemed as if they were a part of it but didn't actually didn't actually admit to being a part of any kind of, you know, similar operation. It was written differently. One was called, you know, the Red Phantom Letter. He signed it at the bottom. It said Red with, Red with Rage. Uh, there was a couple other uh, names that uh, he tried to go by. One was just the signature Z, and the other was a concerned citizen. Um, and then there was uh, another identity that he tried to go in some of his letters as well, I would say that if you looked up the actual Zodiac letters, you would probably find five or six directly under the, I guess you could say the, the main body of information that, that relates to a certain series of killings. But when you look into it, you find that there's enough evidence, enough proof, not just in discussions and research online, but yeah. in the actual nature of the way that the, the crimes occurred, how they, they continue. And so in order to discover that, you, you kind of have to dig deeper into the actual mystery itself just to find the other letters that were involved. But th- there ends up being over a dozen. Well, I got Robert here too. So we're going to, and uh, Robert, you go, are you there? Yep. Yep. Right. Okay. And I'm talking to James Simpson right now over Google Hangouts. How you doing, James? Doing good. How you doing? Not too bad. Sorry. I had to uh, put the kids to bed. So we were just talking about the Zodiac letters, actually. He was educating us. So from what I can gather from the uh, from everything I was you gave me the literature. Yeah, I forwarded him, uh, James, I forwarded him uh, everything that you forwarded me as well, too. So. Oh, all yeah. the links to the pages yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, interesting. Uh, I, was, uh, I was really interested in the whole uh, Star Constellation concept. And uh, uh, yeah, it was seeming like it was uh, even uh, it was somewhat beyond what uh, the Zodiac killer probably was capable of uh, all by himself. 
I always thought maybe it was probably something of a bigger uh, cult. Um, and uh, tried to, um, you know, use that, you know, to, uh, use that uh, him as somewhat like of a messenger because it seemed like it was way complicated, more more than uh, than the, if you if you look at the the how would you say the the language that the Zodiac killer was using, it seemed like it mm-hmm. was, it seems like it in itself that the code was uh, something that was uh, he was given and that maybe. That he had gotten it from, uh, had learned it from someone um, bigger and better than what he was uh, educated on. I mean, it's just speculation, though. Eric no, you're me. you're definitely right. Um, if you look into the, the way you kind of figure this out is, you know, who, he, who about who he was was you look at the the first ciphers and you, you kind of match them and compare them throughout the time. And w- when you look at the the ciphers. It does appear that at at one point it it changes in handwriting style. It changes in, I guess you can say the the language that's used. Um, you know the the message that he's trying to pass, and and in some of them it appears that he's talking about things that have nothing to do with the, you know any of the serial murders, and and so it looks like over a period of time it shows that the ciphers changed around so much that, I mean, the, the actual nature of the ciphers changed around so much. It appeared that there was more than one person involved, that they were actually a correspondence between two people, um, that one person was talking, sending a message out so that way it would be published. And then the other person would be able to pick up on it, read it, in the news and then be able to, you know, commit their own crime and then use that to respond to it. Uh, So it was kind of like playing off the one cipher being a message and it ended up just kind of being a back and forth situation. Sometimes you'd find three or four in a row by the one individual. And then at other times you would find that there were, uh, you know, tie-ins to murders that were on the other side of the coast. Um, or the other side of the country on the West Coast. <clears throat> the original cipher, I guess you can say, that really sparked a lot of people's interest, the one that's highly speculative but is signed with the letter Z at the bottom, was, was called the Cherry Joe Bates letter. And this was a letter that originally came out after the murder of a, a girl, Cherry Joe Bates, in Riverside, California. And the thing is, is across the top, it was just written in, I guess you'd say, really big letters. So there was only like three or four lines of text all the way down. It It said, Bates had to die. Uh, There will be more. And then it it was just signed the letter Z. Well, with the situation in that, it's not so much of a cipher there, but the beginning of um, kind of like the formation of his identity. So... It even showed that he was trying to build the identity and crescendo it over a period of time by using the ciphers, and it kind of immediately hints at who or what kind of person he is. It um it kind of ma- the word batash the word batashad uh, are two words in the Hebrew language, which are kind of I guess one is about um. I forget what it's called. Um, they're ba- they're basically 
words that can be comprised out of another word. So Bates can be shortened, and, and then the ES can just be bumped over to the Bates had, and so it's Batishad, and it just kind of converts over immediately uh, like an underlying theme that's in some of these. And so it looked like it was an agent of an organization, you know, that would be described as the Bat Ashad, and communicating to a group that would be known as the Pi or the Four Pi cult. And this was a cult that was known to actually exist years ago uh, from other investigations that ended up turning up people that discussed it and started talking about the cult itself. But they never knew that the individuals were a part of the Zodiac, you know, killings. They just knew there was a cult going around in those days that they were trying to infiltrate student, you know, groups and organizations and recruit people. Uh, you know, they were working heavily on the West Coast through California and working on those college campuses. They ended up, you know, creating different kind of, you know, ceremonial groups you know, that would meet, you know, at late, late hour and stuff like that. And they tried, they were trying to spread these kind of affairs around early on. Were some of them like a really hermetic the, order at all? He, yeah, they couldn't, it would be like, like the golden dawn with, uh, Alistair right, Crowley. Right. Or, uh, I guess another good example would be kind of like, you know, one of the, like the hippie love cults back in the sixties, but then all of a sudden the leader would just do something crazy at one point once he had everybody enraptured and, you know, it'd be something as crazy as Jonestown, you know, it, it would literally be that, that kind of interest is to create some kind of mass media event. So that way it ended up creating this huge psychological impact on the people. And what he was trying to do originally was create that impact uh, of like a growing fear of, an, you know, like a, just a total unknown attacking the people. And he would target younger people and he would target, uh, target people that were extremely vulnerable and uh, people that had, you know, ties to, uh, you know, extremely sensitive political issues like before before the Zodiac killings in Riverside, there was uh, literally one month before Valerie Percy was uh, was killed by an intruder in her home, uh, and she was stabbed to death in her bed by a, a, a man wielding a bayonet. So he ended up being, uh, I guess you can say, uh, pinned to a, pol a police sketch afterwards. And it, it drove kind of um, kind of like an unknown fear of what was going on at the time with all the political unrest in Chicago and the days of rage and stuff. It ended up just kind of cascading from that era and being carried into California. So, I mean, the original the original killings the, or the original killing was in Chicago that set off his career as, a, you know, like a murderous kind of, you know, like psychotic that would, you know, taunt police and everything like that. And after he disappeared, the first thing he did was wrote that, I guess you can say, uh, wrote a poem, a handwritten poem into a desk, like a desktop. And in that poem, he describes actually killing Valerie Percy and describes, you know, what she was wearing and, you know, everything. And then he goes on to kill Cherry Joe Bates right after the desk is written. 
And after that, he pretty much leaves Riverside to go to San Francisco. So he was in uh, like um, kind of like his warm-up phases, you know, at that point, uh, becoming like a really rampant killer. And he was, um, you know, trying to generate, I guess you can say that, that mystic, that mysticism behind it. My guess is if it wasn't catching on or in, in this case, if they didn't print or publish some of his work, it wouldn't be known to the other people in the group. So the one thing that happened is he convinced the, the press and the media that it was important enough to print and publish his work um, and that it was, you know, something he drove into the media. It was part of a strategic, strategic plan. Yeah, that, that, that was interesting. Did you did, did you like the way they portrayed the code cracking and the way they presented the the ciphers in uh, um, the last that last movie uh, in uh, Zodiac with Jake Gyllenhaal? Was that you, uh, called Hunting the Zodiac? Or no, was, I think it's just called Straight Up Zodiac. Yeah, uh, it was by uh, David Lim- David Fincher. Yes. Yeah. One had one had Robert Downey Jr. involved in it. Yeah, was that, that, that was one? it. Yeah, that's the one. That was, I mean, that was a generic, I guess you could say that's just like a generic overview of the whole movie, but I didn't like the way that they focused on an individual. Um, and they focused on an individual that had been, you know, already denied as being a suspect when they tested his DNA. So... I know, I know that the DNA testing really wasn't that reliable back then, but it was also able to, you know, negate the validity of some of the accusations that were there, simply because of the base, uh, you know, base analysis that was involved in it. <clears throat> to be honest, the, the the only problem that was there with that that movie is they weren't allowed to really delve into any of the subject topics of research. They had to kind of you know, base their movie on like a, a historical documentation of what what happened during the events of it all. It wasn't it was not something that 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 they could branch off into research like I'm doing. They were sure. kind of like, you know, they just had to follow the timeline of things there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I always uh, found similarities the way uh, the Zodiac uh, communicated with the public. Uh, very eerily similar. And like uh, some kind of, uh, I would just say, emulation of uh, Jack the Ripper, the way he terrorized uh, Whitechapel during his reign. Uh, it is true. Yeah. Yeah. It is very true. I thought he was probably trying to uh, mimic him in such a way where he was uh, trying to uh, terrorize to uh, build that fear uh, to, mm-hmm. yep. uh, to you know, to try to uh, accomplish some kind of maybe some small political point. Uh, you know, some some ends, uh, but you know, it was never really figured out. You know, as uh, you know, back then, and uh, I always found his, uh, the Zodiac amazing in the fact that uh, he was able to grip, you know, the the and capture the whole state of California's, you know, their 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 mind. Well, wasn't the Jack the Ripper whole deal too? They never really caught him either. Well, and so they're they're claiming he was it was more than one person, like the same concept with the Zodiac. Yeah, they just recently said, but uh, I was like it was less than a month ago. They uh, found so they tested some DNA that was left at uh, 
crime scene in, in one of the Whitechapel murders, uh, and they uh, got it down to uh, one suspect. That the, the number one suspect it was some uh, Polish immigrant who was uh, who was uh, operating a, uh, a barber shop on the on the West End. He was, uh, so I believe, he wore a leather apron and uh, and uh, he had some knowledge of uh, butchery. But then, how reliable is that? Because yeah. some people thought it was H. H. Holmes as well. So, yeah, but you know, it, that's a hundred and thirty years of difference, or one hundred twenty years of difference well, with the, the DNA testing. So, who knows? Yeah. Uh, but uh, the way it is, my, fa- my favorite theory on that is um, not to interject, but the my favorite theory on that is that the the queen had a prince that was part of her court who was kind of. You know, had a strong sexual appetite, you know? And yeah. I, I I was reading a bunch of articles that just kind of dated back to um, the discussion of this gentleman being, you know, out and about and dating, you know, dating prostitutes, and, you know, meeting call girls and stuff. And that, you know, apparently that he was getting them pregnant and that the queen's doctor was kind of pulled into the the whole affair and was told to go out and, you know, do what he did and kill the women so that way the children couldn't be born and ruin the monarchy of Queen Elizabeth, or excuse me, Queen Victoria. And um, this, this is kind of the strange darkness behind the, you know, the store Victoria's Secret. You know that that movie or um, that story? Have you heard that franchise before? Yeah. Of course, yeah. Anybody has? So I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, we all know what's behind a girl's underwear. What is Victoria's Secret? You know, and it turns out that that's kind of got like a little dark humor built into it, and you know, cryptic marketing is that way. But that, if that you look does into make sense, it, you, though. Well, I mean, you you just find out that the man, you know, used a certain kind of coding. Uh, it was a Persher coding, which means certain elements of the letter itself would show his degree of education. And that was the original kind of profiling that they have. Was he was a very educated man? So I don't I don't really know if I can dive into the um, the theory of him being a butcher so much, other than the fact that he was an you know an allopathic doctor when he went out and butchered the, the women. But he was kind of... <clears throat> back in the day, they couldn't really perform abortions. And I think one of the victims had kind of been... Like, the body had been desecrated in a certain way, so as as to have exposed the fact that she was pregnant, right? But I think, I think the strange thing was, was how was the doctor going to know she was pregnant? You know, that sort of thing. If he wasn't... Probably, the probably from the monarchy. Right, right. Well, well, I mean, the thing is, is in the actual cipher itself, it showed that he was of a Masonic order. It, sh- it showed that he used the base level <clears throat> system for hints and for guides that were developed from the, the at that time were basically used by the, the Masons. And that was a pretty tight order back then. I mean, it wasn't like everybody... There was so much segregation. Who was educated? That they could easily uh, keep all that stuff together. But now, <clears throat> now there's so many documentaries about it. You really don't ever get any kind of potential, you know, you know, breakdowns from any of these ciphers. 
unless you unless you're really I guess you can say working like a unique unique one. All the Masonic systems have been un, uh, decoded, and the different variances of them have been kind of tested and 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 retested over and over. So they know they're able to form a pretty good profile on the individual that's creating the ciphers. And the problem with this cipher and the set of ciphers is he began with a very small, you know, just handwritten letter. But then he repeated the letter and he sent it to three, he sent the same letter to three different news agencies. And so when he sent the next set of ciphers, he set three different, well, he set three of the same type of ciphers, but with different text. And it turned out that the next set of three ended up being, you know, an individual compounding cipher. So you had to add one to the next. So first he told you it was going to be in numbers three. And then he told you that you were going to have to add them together. And he was going to send them to different news agencies. You were going to have to piece them together that way. So he was starting to create kind of like a game with the media. And he was trying to get the media to coordinate together to start, you know, discussing and documenting stuff. And back then, they were, there was no Associated Press or anything like that. They all just did their own work. And, I mean, they very seldomly contacted each other, you know, to cross-reference on information. But in this case, this was like the first time media had ever really gotten together as a whole to kind of to work on trying to crack or solve the case. So, so would that negate the uh, possibility of uh, somebody who is ambidextrous being able to write all the letters? Uh, because they, they, they did discuss that uh, in a lot of the case file. Is that It seemed like it was like two different pairs of handwriting, one with a left hand and one with a right hand, and they noticed a very uh, clear difference uh, uh, very clear differences between all uh, the letters and the way they were written. Because uh, uh, the way the Zodiac communicated seemed, it was very sporadic and it yep. seemed to co- co- it did have no, really no, uh, like a real, uh, uh, how would you say, uh, line to it, you know? Where, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, it seemed like it was very erratic. Like it was, uh, mm-hmm. like it was more than one person. So if it was if, if it was more than one person, I was I was thinking along the lines too as well. You're talking about the media all being they get all they get all get wrapped up in it. What else in history is going on at the time that they're trying to draw the media's attention away from? I mean, that's always my bigger thing too as well. Hmm. If it's Vietnam, new, you know, that was true, the big yeah. that was the big big thing going on then was Vietnam. So they were obviously there was a lot of revolutionary peace movements. There was a lot of you know, people that were protesting on campuses. There were people, I got you know, marching on D.C. Martin Luther King was starting up. RFK, JF, JFK, had, you know, that's, he was already dead for a couple of years when that happened. But, again, what was going on at the time was there were a lot of people that were trying to figure out, you know, where they, the country was going. And there was no real there was no real unifying theory other than the music at the time. Remember, yeah. it was like, that was the biggest thing back then. So <clears throat> the problem with the problem with the ciphers is they started out in such a basic manner that it really kind of grew, you know, and it started growing like its own 
I guess you can say, music group. You know, it started, eventually, it just became such a mystery that people were even like, you know, it became like a cool Hollywood, uh, like, a, yeah. like a Halloween costume. You know, it just became something that people kind of sensationalized in their own way. Some of the people went off and, you know, made their own movies about it. You know, they, they tried to do documentaries. They, they did in-depth studies on the, you know, the ciphers. They, they didn't come to very many conclusions. A few authors were able to kind of push the concept uh, into the mainstream. And what they did was they developed kind of like, um, I guess, the best working record of what was there. I think Robert Graysmith was, was that reporter. He, he kind of pushed as best as possible to kind of figure it out because he knew, he knew at the time, you know, just being around that the way that the information was being given to the public, it was very generic. It was sterilized, you know? Yeah. And when the media reports would come out, it, it just seemed like, Hey, for the first time now they're calling out to the public, Hey, there's this killer and we need your help finding it. You know? So they called yeah. out, they called out to the, you know, the public and they published the unsolvable, uncrackable ciphers. And within like a weekend, literally, uh, within a weekend, someone had solved the Z408, a, a school teacher and his wife worked together. And they basically just ran a reverse homophonic breakdown and were able to kind of use a trial and error method to, to, to test the validity of their, their alphabet against the actual cipher. And I mean, they were able to create a, a varying alphabet, which <clears throat> to any cryptographer, when you create any multiple variable use, so it's like the letter A gets used for the number one, and the letter B can be used for the, the numbers two, three, four, and five. But the letter C can only be used for six and seven. And I mean, the way it was assigned and the way you saw it, it almost appeared that other things could be made out of that discovery. So it was, again, the first cipher that came out was the Bathashad, and it, uh, or the Bates had to die letter, the, the Cherry Joe Bates, which said Bathashad to Pi, and it showed kind of the word reassignment, you know, where you re reassign certain letters to different words that are in the, the same proximity. It showed the way that you could shift words a little bit, and from that simple shift, it would produce almost a, a, a completely different um, result. So it's in some manner connecting all of those different ciphers and all of those different letters together. The, the way that the movies tried to sensationalize it, they tried to go after the, the theory that it was Arthur Lee Allen, that he fit the most, you, the I guess most you can say suspect. the most. Plausible suspect, yeah. Right, yeah. He, he became, he, he became, you know, the red heron zodiac number <laughs> number one you know and yeah. when they when they ran out of options at that point it kind of ruined their i guess you can say <clears throat> their drive in the investigation because they kind of pushed that direction and during that time it gave him the chance to just just totally elude capture and that was his original intent was to to even write people's names into the cipher of people that were in the area around the killings so it's like, oh, great, now this guy's got people's names from around the area, and he's either using the phone book to scapegoat people, or 
or he's just basically all of these people at the same time. What's what's interesting about his uh, name? Sorry, I I was I was just thinking this just just caught my mind and my attention. Is zodiac is this plural, right, for all the const all those constellations in the zodiac? True. That's true. It is. It is kind of a container of a lot of different shapes and images. You're right. Do Do you ever? Did you ever believe that maybe the reason why he uh, pre- communicated with the public in this fashion was to try to take a like he was in a, some sort of competition, maybe perhaps with the other serial killers of his time? Because uh, I mean, that was a time of um, Brutos. Um, the time of uh, the Manson family, um, that, that, a lot was going on in California during that you know during that turbulent time you know from like sixty five to seventy five. The, the whole part of the country seemed like it was losing its mind. You know the you know there was a, the, you know don't forget the eighties. I mean there was like three serial killers operating at the same time. You know, right. Uh, yeah. The yeah. The um, what was that Night one guy's Stalker. name? So, yeah, son of Sam. And then you had, um, I think there was that other, well, not the BTK. You had the Ted Bundy guy was was going nuts then too. And then he uh, was, the, gold, he was, the, gold, the Golden State Killer, you know, he was just recently caught and he was active during that time. Um, early early seventies was when he took off. It was like seventy two onward, I think it was. Yeah, it was basically basically right when the Zodiac letters were assumed to be finished. It's when this Golden State Killer started his stuff. A lot, of, a lot of people said that these guys were tied into the law enforcement. That's how they were able to know, you know, w- when the investigations were actually getting close to them or, you know, how to basically get away with what they were doing with nobody being able to pay attention to it. Some of them suspected that they were involved in law enforcement. And because the ciphers also used a certain kind of encoding, that that was reminiscent of, or used symbols of encoding that were reminiscent of uh, signals intelligence, like early military signals intelligence types of you know ciphers. They they would use a certain navigation symbolism, or you know symbolism related to um, you know different themes, yeah. and they would no, they would actually like you know take like the code words like whiskey, foxtrot, tango. And they would create their own code words, so it almost sounded like they had a theme to it. Um, you know, majestic. You know, code one. You know, this, that, or the other. And they would go on and on and on like that. With the zodiac, he had his own kind of, I guess you can say, use of certain symbols. Like, you know, the um, let's see, there's like a square symbol with a square in the middle of it. Uh, so it's kind of like a checkerboard um, symbol. There's the there's the half circles that are colored in. There's yep. was, yeah. There's uh, there's two there's two so, or three navigational symbols that are added into the Z340 that just kind of quirked quirked them because he start again. He's evolving. You can notice his ciphers are getting more and more intelligent as each part goes on. You have the individuals in the in the Bates letter, basically the individual letters, you know, held a certain context. Then after that time period, there were three different sections. Then after that time period, then he had a, just a, a complete, you know, I guess you can say kind of like a Zenith in his ciphers with the Z340. And that's when it started getting even more intense. And, and it just hit like a wall. So 
a lot of people thought that he was jerking the law enforcement around, which he was, but he actually encoded something in the Z340 that was way more than what people had expected it to be. So if you're able to break, if you're able to break the cipher, <clears throat> you're able to find out that he was involved in something a little bit more clandestine at that time, and that he was truly tied to individuals in the military, but that he was not um, in the military himself, but was trying to portray himself as being kind of a pseudo-revolutionary, um, you know, kind of like the original uh, mod, mod squad hipster in San Francisco. And um, he, he was trying to push whatever, whatever kind of identity that he could that would kind of enrapture, like he was directly targeting those kind of organizations. At one point, he would mention Black Panthers. He would mention, you know, wearing the buttons of their organizations. He sees a lot of people wearing buttons. Uh, he talks about them being in protest groups. You know, he's, he's hanging out. He's like, he's in the nightlife. And you can tell that by two or three different points is that he's got a certain tone um, to his letters. And at the same time, he has a, a certain attitude to him at the same time, which is, which is always prying the police. You know, oh, you guys are blue meanies. You're always beating up on the people. <laughs> You know, it's like, okay, here we go. It's it's obvious it's some guy and, you know, some some commune somewhere, and he's going completely bonkers, and he's just killing people. So you, you look deeper into it, and, it, yeah, it's kind of like that, but then you realize, like you were saying, there was a lot going on in Frisco at that time. And one of the biggest things that was going on at the time was um, – it was kind of a, a well-known operation, but the details of it were, were, weren't that well-known. There was a government operation to infiltrate these groups at that time called the COINTELPRO um, operation. And that program involved the inf infiltration of you know, youth groups, uh, student protest groups, revolutionary groups, um, media, entertainment industry associations, um, communes, you know, places like that. And their goal was to observe people and to basically collect data and information about them by becoming a part of part of the groups. And wouldn't then some they would of these, uh, wouldn't some of these uh, actors or what, what would you call them uh, operatives actually as well? Wouldn't they just observe? They also would possibly create discord within these groups if they didn't like what they were doing. Smear like a oh, smear yeah. campaign, yeah, yeah. Or or say they were a completely passive group. You know, like the group had no violent members or anything. The, the, you know, the new member would come in and he would seem like, oh, he's, you know, perfect for the group. He's perfect for this. You know, he wants to, you know, help change everything for the better. But at the same time, you know, they start noticing he's trying to encourage the other guys to, you know, take up violence. Oh, I think we should make a statement. You know, I think we should go do something. You know, we should take action. You know, he, it was obvious that this guy, whoever it was, was trying to provoke himself, well, provoke these groups to kind of rally behind his work and that he was making political threats to the police and being a rebel. You see what I mean? Like he was yeah, trying yeah. to portray that, that role. Like he was, he was a, a man of the people. He was a hero, you know, but in reality, what they ended up doing 
is they kind of broke that down because, again, his ciphers didn't, they weren't consistent. You know, they weren't like, if you don't do this, then this is going to happen. You know, he wasn't threatening politicians for political reform and then, you know, proving his word by killing somebody off if he didn't get the, you know, the right, you know, the, the war didn't end or, you know, what was going on. Nothing would satisfy this guy because he kept rambling into different, different subjects in his letters. He kept going off into different tangents um, of his own demands. I mean, it's just one of those things where it didn't keep consistent. Now, now with, his, uh, with his victims, was there anything actually peculiar about them? Like, was there a pattern? I mean, were they high profile or were they just random people? Young people, as he was saying, yeah. The one, all... the, the, one, the one thing that ended up happening is that a few of the victims ended up not knowing each other, but um, some of the uh, accused or acclaimed suspects that seemed to fit the bill a little bit would end up kind of falling short when the whole of the, the evidence was matched against it. So they knew that it wasn't the individual that would that had done everything. What they found out was that a lot of these people who were victims, they would know somebody and that person would have a police record and would kind of be suspect of being like, could easily be mistaken for being the Zodiac killer. If you were just, you know, shown a few bits of evidence, not if you, if you weren't shown the whole of the evidence, you wouldn't be able to discern from it. Let's say a police officer in the local vicinity saw the crime and then kind of noticed later down the line, one of the ciphers could kind of pick up on that person's name, kind of woven into it loosely. Then that would kind of, he was trying to get the police to trigger a kind of trial and error kind of method to their, to their arrest. But at the same time, he was actually trying to encourage you to use a trial and eth- uh, trial and error method to, you know, defeat his crypt- crypto. He basically had put together a series of ciphers and in the actual ciphers are, you know, things that relate to his profile or individual things that relate to his identity that were intentionally added at certain times. Whereas, in other parts of the letters, it was completely sterilized of any kind of, you know, it was like plain sight. What what you see in the cipher, what he well, what he wrote in the letter, there was no other meaning to it. You know, it just had one meaning. But a lot of times he would just lace things in. So it's like he was professionally studying a degree of psychology. You know, he had like, he had almost like the degree of a, somebody who was psychoanalytical of other people's behavior. And he could he could kind of play off the way that the police were running and try and encourage them to go after certain leads by leaving a, a breadcrumb there. And the thing is, is this was strange. Every single time there seemed to be somebody along the way that had just almost a perfect police record. But there's no way that it could have been the same person that was in Riverside killing the people in San Fran. And the ones in San Fran couldn't be the same as the ones in Vallejo or you know, Santa Barbara, because they didn't match the entirety of the evidence that was found. And so they realized that the letters had to either be a correspondence between, you know, two different individuals that were doing different killings and kind of playing off of it, or that there was one individual that was just completely, so completely bonkers that he couldn't keep, you know, one single thought process, which was 
they were saying that's impossible. How could you be that smart and that psychotic? At the that same doesn't time? even make sense for for us. I mean, a, a psychopath too. They, they're not. They're right. always in control. They're always in control, no matter what. Even if they're never bonkers, and that you know that that's where I kind of see where that would fall actually through. Um, I get I get that with a lot of my girlfriends. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I always uh. <clears throat> I was uh, the the one thing that I always found uh, interesting is when uh, they went back to one of the murder sites and I think it was Harper Road, the site of the first killing, and they found uh, uh, the zodiac symbol car uh, um, put on one of the signs that was there. It, it, I it saw was, I saw that picture. It was Lake Lake Berryessa, wasn't it? Yeah, Lake Berryessa. Yeah, I believe it was the uh, the first murder site. Yeah. Um, and uh, they were they to this day they don't know if that was just um, him trying to let everybody know he was still around, or it was just some copycats or, or some sicko that was just you know uh, glorifying the, the you know what happened there. You know, well, so. that is that that is a lot. What's going on with the media? It's kind of gotten into a lot of people's lives. It's kind of like um, I guess you could say like a token documentary that people just kind of make all the time. You know, it's like. And that that's one thing that's frustrating with the entertainment industry and trying to produce something that has the evidence is you're never going to get any attention. If you if your evidence comes up about right after theirs, their movie came out, you, your work is never going to get any attention unless you're able to kind of capture the, um, the attention of the people through, you know, something more sensational than the movie, which is almost impossible to do. So with, with this case, I, I looked into it, and as soon as I started breaking the codes, there was another movie that came out about the Zodiac. It was called Awakening the Zodiac. Did you Did you guys see that one? I I, I saw the trailer for it. You know, I didn't get to see it anywhere because uh, <laughs> our video store is cool. That one, <laughs> yeah. That one. That one was nice because it actually made a point of addressing. Um, kind of like a hidden suspect. A lot of people have suspected being a part of it for a long time. And that was the, the main cult leader in, in San Francisco, Lieutenant Colonel Michael Aquino. And Aquino founded the Church of Satan and worked with Anton LaBay on the creation of the Temple of Set. And it, in the movie, they literally, they literally found a guy to portray the individual almost to the exact likeness of who he was. Did they get his it, eyebrows it was, right, like like how he had him on Oprah? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was really, had, really uh, creepy watching that whole interview. I know, isn't it strange? To, and the funny thing is, is that the way that the the waves kind of fade in and out of the, the recording, you're like, what the hell's wrong with this recording? It's kind of like trancing you out with these strange waves across the front of it, you know? That was, that was the old days of, um, you know, like, I don't even know what kind of technology that AV. It was like AV VHS technology back then that they were using. Like, I think it was thirty-two track or sixty-four track VHS for like for their main shows, you know, and all the studio broadcast stuff. But um, the the quality of the costumes back then was so poor. All they could do was dress him up like Eddie Munster. <laughs> yeah, that's what he looked like. I kept thinking, what? Did, who does he look like? And that's you just named it exactly. Any monster? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have, I have a lot of, I have a lot of, um, you know, other ideas about the, the zodiac. 
but none of none of them ever play out, you know, to kind of solve the whole thing. And the only one that ever really plays out to kind of fit the whole bill was there was a lot of government heat going on at the time. They wanted to break into these groups. Like you were saying, they were, they were trying to infiltrate some groups. In order to do that, they wanted to create an icon. And this icon was, you know, the image of an individual that was a part of the stars. You know, he was a star. And so, you know, he was kind of jealous that they you know, wasn't getting any attention in the media. And he, he wanted their attention. So... He would go out and he would conduct his killings and then it would create a media sensation. Then he would, he would claim it. You know, he would say, oh, that was mine. Did you guys see that death? Yeah, that was mine. And then the cops were like, oh, no, there's no way that that could be this guy. He's just reading it in the news. But then he, you know, he'd prove it by cutting out a piece of the shirt and sending it into them. And he, you know, he would know information about where they were searching in town after the murder. And he would show them, oh, well, your police were searching here, here, and here. And he would basically be feeding them their own intel. You know, he would be throwing it back in their face saying, hey, I'm one of you guys, you know, the whole time. So it's ridiculous. Sort of like a false flag operation conducted by some clandestine group to throw everybody off. So that way the government would have an excuse to infiltrate some of these uh, groups of the, you know, uh, you know, these civil rights groups and, and protesters in the 60s. Is that, is that yep. basically? Yeah, yeah. That was the original. That was the original operation that was going on then. That was you know targeting everybody because they were trying to keep the keep the protest down from stopping any kind of war from happening in Vietnam. the re, The reason Vietnam was going down is because they wanted the the opium in Southeast Asia. And in order to get the opium, you know, converted into heroin, they had to have um, you know, all these factories and stuff. And then they had to take the heroin and ship it somehow to the U.S., so they figured out how to use the bodies from the Vietnam War that they, you know, it was a proxy war just to create a, a distraction and illusion while they were off in the next country over. But the way they shipped it here was in the body cavities of the GIs that had, you know, passed on in the war. And they would, they would ship them back, um, and there was a specific tag that was on them. It would be marked with a certain label which would then divert it to a specific part of the base. And then the bodies were autopsied there, quote unquote, by a doctor. It was a a note for a a further autopsy. Um, And then the individuals would, you know, be gutted. The the stuff would be pulled out from inside of their cavities, and then they would be stitched back up after the quote unquote autopsy was done. Well, this is where the name Dr. The, The Dr. Aquino comes into play where he tries to, you know, assume that he's like, you know, playing doctor. That was his first gig was, um, you know, working those sorts of things. And then so he was after a this Satanist su- doctor, basically. <laughs> he, he was basically a wet work agent for a, a time period, uh, this Aquino in, in San Francisco. And later, later on after his wet work, um, he was given kind of like a figurehead position to, uh, to be kind of like the controller and handler of different, you know, subordinate groups. And those groups would be used as a cover and a front. And some of them would go and, you know, end up becoming like the, the drug mules for these organizations, you know? And that's one thing that they found with a lot of these cults is they're always tied into to some kind of drug use that they used to kind of induce states of mind to get people to do what they they wanted them to do. 
So. I just wanted to ask a question. Um, have you ever heard of uh, the smiley face killer and some of the messianic uh, symbols he's been in the day that's been accredited to some of these murders that have been found yeah. on the yeah on the bodies and uh, at the at the murder sites. Is, is <laughs> that's, that's, that's seems like a it was lot. a direct inspiration uh, from the Zodiac yep. himself. No, it's it. definitely a, an individual that's got like um, you know an ideal about branding his victims. You know, so you've got that kind of you know that sort of thing. He's trying to brand that identity, like, hey, it's one of my kills, kind of thing. You know, and um, you know you've got the sensation is created by the first one, and then the idea starts percolating in people's heads and they start getting deeper into it. And when they start researching it more, it becomes overwhelming in their life because of the way that the information is put together. And if it's strategically planned out, it'll create a confusion within the individual. So that way certain things are known. And at the same time, it'll kind of drive a kind of a state of uh, obsession. Like you saw, you saw Avery, the reporter, you know, uh, Paul Avery went into kind of like his own obsession with it. And um, uh, Gray Smith, his assistant, he ended up just being like even more in depth and going into it. Like he actually tried to get down and break the ciphers. And um, it's just because these people were not, they were not traditionally trained how to, you know, do cryptographic examinations. I mean, I, I had to learn everything myself, but I, I I didn't start till I was like, you know, 35 years old and it was 2016, you know, it's like all the examinations have already been done at this time that you'll pretty much be able to unlock anything that the, these killers or these people have learned. Like the only, only way that they've learned how to create ciphers is by using what's been printed. See what I mean? Like it's not a taught practice in many schools or nor was it taught at that time. It was only, it was only shown to people in the military or people in high ranking Masonic orders or, you know, like Jesuit or, you know, OTO or Opus Dei or any of those old, you know, orders dating back to the Vatican and stuff like that. Those would be the only kind of orders that would have any kind of use or knowledge of how to use them in such complex manners is to be able to encrypt multiple layers into these ciphers and different varying alphabets that played off the same templates the same way. I mean, it's, some of the stuff that was in these ciphers was was professionally designed. And by the time it got to the complex one, the Z340, it literally had the signature of being created by a computer. It literally had like a computerized grid to it. It had a, a layout to it like it was printed, you know, by a, by a kind of like a printer. It even had the word IBM set into the corner of a part of it. So you're looking at that and the symbols that came off the Space Cadet uh, keyboard that was for the IBM computer at the time, they were all used and integrated in the Z340. So it was kind of like the degree of intelligence of this individual was the fact that he knew about inventions that were not even made at that time that were in, in like prototype development at that time. Like the Space Cadet keyboards symbols were used, every single one of them, but he did that keyboard didn't come out for like two years after the the cipher came out you've been listening to late night pacific northwest i'm coyote Gunning. 
Please support us on our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash late night PNW.